0: You have your Bibles? If you would go ahead and uh, turn with me to 1 John uh, chapter 3. We're going to look at uh, the, finishing up this chapter today. We're going to look at the companion verses of what we looked at this last week uh, or last Sunday. We talked about uh, that last verse, verse 20, uh, how our hearts either condemn us or not. And we talked about the need that we have, uh, how our faith is love in action, that our faith lives itself out and demonstrates its consistency through how we love the brothers, the, the, the people who are part of the church. That that if I am being consistent in my faith, my faith will show itself because of the way I interact. And it'll show itself in in how I uh, work with and, and and work through those struggles that come. We talked about some of those struggles that uh, that can come up. Sometimes the struggles that I go through are, are simply the struggles to love people in the faith. You know, honestly, sometimes some of us aren't very lovely, and and it's hard to love us, and, and we make that difficult sometimes when those times come, but the Word of God teaches us how I work through that and how I demonstrate my faith in action through love. So this morning, we're going to kind of build on that and finish up this chapter. and What John talks about and, and how he encourages us to realize that our faith, real faith, delivers. Real faith gets us through. Real faith carries itself out. And so uh, this morning I want just to, each of us to be encouraged um, to understand that our faith will give us, deliver us whatever we need in those moments uh, to keep taking those next steps of faith with God. If you have your Bibles open there to 1 John Uh, Chapter 3, verse 21. If you would, please stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the Word of God. John begins and writes, verse 21, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and can receive whatever we ask from Him because we keep His commands and do what is pleasing in His sight. Now this is His command, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him, and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. You may be seated. May God bless his word this morning as we study it together. Would you please uh, join me as we pray? Father, I ask you in these next few moments just to, to use me to challenge us in the walk of faith. I pray, Father, that your word would encourage us I pray, Father, that your word would, would sharpen us, that it would challenge us. I pray, Father, that, that it would assure us. Uh, Lord, you don't want us to wander in this life or to wonder. You want us to know uh, that we have a relationship to you through your one and only son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would just uh, take these next few moments as we uh, receive the word of God, the bread of life. Uh, that you would uh, infuse it into who we are, uh, and, God, that you would change us. God, I pray in all humility that you show up in these next few minutes. I pray, God, that you speak through me, that I would be a vessel, uh, a servant used of you uh, to speak your words of truth from the word of truth to our lives. And, God, we we will be very careful uh, to give you all the praise and glory because it is from you, and we offer it back to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and it's in his name that we pray amen this morning we're going to look at, at these four verses and and what the word of god challenges us with as we live out this faith to understand what our faith is supposed to do that it delivers us that it carries us through, and the first thing that that John uh, teaches this New Testament church, remember he's writing to a church, uh, to a people just like you and I, people who are growing in their faith, people who face some of those struggles and the pitfalls, people who have successes and failures, people who are trying the best way they know how to love one another in Christ, and we've talked about for the last several weeks the fact that it was this ability of the New Testament church to love each other. Uh, to take Jew and Gentile, slave and free, rich and poor, uh, to take uh, different people from, from different walks of life, educated, uneducated, whatever it was, and for them, as they loved each other, that was the single, that, that demonstration of love was the single greatest factor that God used to bring about the harvest That took place in the New Testament church. That's why Jesus said, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. And so uh, John records that. He moves through and and records some other things we're going to look at. And then he moves into 1 John and writes this epistle to this church uh, just like you and I to say, this is what faith looks like. And the first thing John says is is that God answers the prayers of faith. Look at verses 21 and 22. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and can receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now, uh, we looked last week, verse 20 talked about if our hearts do condemn us. And, you know, there are times we talked about looked at, and we all, a lot of people agree, that there are times when I feel convicted. I come before God, I come to worship, I go to prayer, whatever it is, and Satan, the enemy of, of the brethren, the accuser of the brethren, reminds me of something that I've done in my past, that I've confessed, that I've repented of, and all of a sudden I feel guilty again. And and we talked about the fact that, that you know God is bigger than our heart. Sometimes our heart will convict us wrongly because we are reminded of past failures and And we feel condemned and feel like, man, I have no right to be before God. And and John writes and says, remember, God's bigger than your heart. But then he moves in here today, and and let me just tell you, if you come to the Lord in worship or prayer and you are convicted about sin, okay, as a believer, as a child of God, if we have open sin in our life as we come to worship, uh, whatever that worship may be, prayer, singing, study of the word, whatever it may be, and we come before God, there's sin in our life, we ought to be convicted. If you are convicted, remember, that's a good thing, okay? God convicts those whom he loves. And 1 John 1, 9 is for you. If I confess, we confess our sin, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if I come before God with a conviction in my heart, a condemnation in my heart because of sin, man, confess. God convicts you not to condemn you. God convicts you to restore you, to to, to change you, to shape you, to encourage you. God encourages you conviction. So if you got a sin, confess it. And when you confess it, your heart no longer condemns you. And then we pick up with what he says in verse 21. If my heart doesn't condemn me, then I can ask with confidence, with assurance that I will receive whatever I ask in his name because I obey his commands that's basically what John writes in verses 21 and 22 that God answers the prayers uh, the faith the prayers of faith that are offered in a faithful manner now this is not some genie in a bottle that I get to pull out like the name it, claim it people want to say today. I get to pull it out and rub it and God's going to give me whatever poof, you know, poof, I just get whatever I get. That's not what this is talking about. okay you have, to, you have to unpack this and put this into the context of what God is saying. What John writes and says is, is that as I am consistently living out my faith, verse 22, and can receive whatever I ask for him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight, as I am consistently living out my faith in the right way then what I know is the prayers that I offer in faith God will answer why is that so well look at what he says verse 21 dear friends if our hearts do not condemn us we have confidence before God that word for confidence is a word that means boldness or assurance I can come boldly before God when I am consistently living out the life of faith in the manner in which I should and know that God is going to answer my prayers that are offered in faith why Because we talked about the fact last week, I can't live the life of faith consistently. It is God living in me and through me that helps me live the life of faith. It's what helps me want the things of God. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 37, 4 and said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Again, not a genie in a bottle, not who I get whatever I want, but it is as I delight myself in God. God, as I, as I make God the pursuit of everything I have, what happens is he will give you, the psalmist says, he, God, will give you the desires of your heart. And that word forgives is a word that means literally to birth, to conceive, or to bring forth, make. So as I delight myself, pursue God with everything that I am, God begins to change my heart so that the things that I want are the things that He wants. And when my desires become the things that God wants, all of a sudden my prayers become the prayers of God. And God honors his prayers. So as I delight myself, pursue God with everything that I am, he gives birth in me to his desires. I then in turn pray his desires before the throne of heaven. And what happens is God answers his prayers that he's given me from my desires. It is a companion verse of what John, the same guy here, writes in John 15, 5, a passage we know as the vine. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Again, why does God answer his prayers? Two reasons. Glorify the Father and produce fruit. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. you remain in me, you'll glorify my Father. That's why all of those things are are, are together in what we do. So my role to get my prayers answered is to pursue God, to live consistently the life of faith in a manner that honors him. And as I do that, I have this bold, confident assurance that when I come before him, I can ask whatever I want in prayer, and he answers. Notice, doctrine, faith, faith produces life in action as i as i know what god wants and i pursue that with all my heart life begins to live itself out in faith and action in everything that i do Warren Wearsby, in his commentary on these verses, refers back to the story of the prodigal son. And we all know the story of the prodigal son. Uh, the, the son comes, youngest son, hey, I want all my stuff, and, and, and I want it now. Dad, I wish you were dead. All you're worth to me is, your, is the goods that I'm going to get from you, so give them to me. And he does, and the son goes off, and he squanders it. he comes back, and the father throws a party because of his son that was lost is now found. And, and, and we know that story, but he points out the older brother. And the older brother comes back, and he comes in, and he, he's pouting, he's outside, he won't come in, he won't be a part of the, the celebration, and the father goes out to him, he says, son, why, why don't you come inside? And he said, dad, man, I have done everything that I was supposed to do for you. I mean, I have been here every day, I've shown up, I've gone to work, I've worked in the fields, I've taken care of your stuff, I haven't disobeyed, I, man, dad, I have, been, I have been for you everything that I was supposed to be, and you wouldn't even give me a goat to cook with some of my friends and here when this wasteful slovenly degrading son of yours comes home you kill the fight fattened calf and throw a party dad what did I miss and we points out that the older son didn't serve the father out of love he served the father out of fear we talked about that last week. That, that There are a lot of us, a lot of times, we come to church just to keep from getting fined. Lord, I, I don't want you to dun me today. I, I don't want to get spanked today. I don't want to get slapped on the hand. I'm, I'm going go to church. And, and church just becomes business as usual. It's just part of what we do. But the honest truth is God never wants it to be business as usual. He wants us to. Get up, and before our feet hit the floor every Sunday morning, Lord, today, what do you want to say to my life? Before I get up on Monday morning and, 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 and do anything that day, that before I open the Word, God, what is it today? You, you don't want business as usual with me. God, what do you want today in my life? And what God wants is for you and I to begin to walk in step with Him. You see, when I'm out of step with God, I, I can't be in a right relationship with you. When I'm not in a right relationship with you, then I can't be in step with God. And when I'm not in step with God, I don't have that confidence, that boldness to come before Him, that assurance that what I ask in prayer is according to His will. And when I ask according to His will, I know that I'll get. That's what God wants, that you and I have that confidence in the faith to walk with Him and to know His presence in everything that I do and and, and that He begins to create in me His desire. If that's not where you are. Here's a beautiful picture. You can be. If we confess our sin, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's His promise. 1 John 1 9 is for us, it's written for His church. It's written for you and I so that we can be in that right relationship, in step with him and hear him. God answers the prayers of faith. And the second part of that is, and it rolls right into this, is that my faith keeps me in him. Look at verse 23. Now this is his command, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. And we're going to look a little bit more in a couple of weeks at at the the first part of this. And and, and there are two commands that he says that ought to be the, 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 the keeping of our faith. The two commands that kind of sum up the whole of the law. Two things. First, belief in his son, Jesus Christ. And there's a reason that John writes Jesus Christ. Mentioned a little bit last week. We're going to mention a little bit today. We're really going to unpack that in a couple of weeks. There's a reason that it's not just Jesus, and there's a reason it's not just Christ. Jesus, Son of Man. Christ, Son of God. Jesus, fully man. Christ, fully God. Okay? There's a reason why when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? So just keep that kind of in the back of your head, and we're going to look at that more in depth after Easter here in a couple weeks. But but John says, right here, there's two commands. First of all, belief, faith, that's what the word belief means, faith in his son Jesus Christ and love for the brothers. That's two sides of the same coin, both. Faith, doctrine, working itself out in practice, loving the brothers who are part of the church. You and I... Are, are to, to do that, and when we begin to do that, when we do that consistently, remember, we can't do that on our own. You know, God works in us to, to, to love one another, okay, to desire the things of faith. Then John writes in verse 24 and says that it is those things, living out the faith, that gives us assurance. Look at verse 24. The one who keeps his commands remains in him, and he in him, and the way we know confidence that, we remain, that he remains as us is from the spirit he has given us. Okay? This doctrine belief leads the person to begin to practice faith. And as we do that, God gives an assurance to us because we are living out our faith in love. He confirms to us. He doesn't want us wandering through life or wandering through life. He wants us to know that we know that we know that we have a relationship to, the Jesus, to Jesus Christ, to God the Father through the Son. And the way we do that, he says, is that the faith gives us assurance. How? Well, there's about four things that we're just going to hit real quick that the Bible gives us as tests of assurance. The first thing, you can know that you're in the faith if God arrests you on the way. Okay, as you're going through life, if God just causes you to kind of check up in your spirit, you have those moments where you think, hmm, that is evidence that God is living in you. Paul writes in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, and this is what he says there. Uh, and, and now, dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not just in my presence, but even more so now in my absence, he, Paul says, continue, verse 12, to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Then verse 13, he says, because it is God who works in you to enable you to work and to will for his good purpose. Okay? If you want more of God is evidence that God is living in you. You can't want more of God if God isn't living in you, okay? Paul says that we're going to have those moments where we just go, Whew, wait, I need that. Another way that we understand that, that assurance of faith is that, that I begin to, as, as I move through this life, I begin to want God more in the everyday practices of my life, okay? Romans 8, 5, Paul writes there, and he says, those who who live according to the flesh desire the things of the flesh. They think about the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit think about the things of the Spirit. So do you find yourself more and more thinking about God, thinking about the Bible, thinking about the Word, thinking about truth, thinking about how it looks in life? The more you and I find ourselves thinking about that, the more it's evidence that God's Spirit's living in us, that I don't think about the things of the world the way I used to. Number three, I begin to hate sin. I'm not going to take time to quote this because I couldn't, but I want you to listen to Paul's writing in Romans 7, verses 15 through 25. Listen. For I do not understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate and if I do what I do not want to do I agree with the law that it is good so now I am no longer the one doing it but it is sin living in me for I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh for the desire to do what is good is with me but there is no ability to do it for I do not do the good that I want to do but I practice the evil that I do not want to do now if I do what I do not want I am no longer the one doing it but it is the sin that lives in me so I discover this principle when I want to do good Evil is with me. For in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Any of you ever sinned? I'll wait. (laughs) Did you hate it? Oh, maybe not right in the middle of it. Okay? Sin's enjoyable. I'm not going to try to tell you it's not. Okay? If sin weren't enjoyable in the flesh, in the moment, nobody would participate. But after we sinned, whatever that may be, the Spirit of the living God in us says, Well, Lord, I hate that. I hate that I did that. Father, I hate that I let you down. God, I hate myself. Anybody ever felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you felt that way. If you have felt that way, the Bible says that's evidence. The Spirit of God, the living God is living within you causing you to hate those things that we do that are outside the will of God. And then the last part of that, another test is Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where the Bible says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. Are you experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in an increasing manner? Not the fruits. There's a reason Paul didn't write the fruits of the Spirit, but he wrote the fruit of is those nine things manifested in increasing measure in yours and my life: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Why didn't Paul write the fruits? Because it would let me pick and choose the ones that I like. I can always find a time when I'm more at peace. I can always find a time when I'm more at joy. I can always find a few people that I love more. I can always find a few people that I can be patient with more. That's not what Paul writes. But is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, in increasing measure in your life? Are all of those things manifest? Evidence. Why does God answer prayer according to his will? Two reasons. One, to glorify his name. Two, to bear fruit is the fruit of the Spirit increasing in your life in every single area. When you and I take the Word of God and and, and we put those things alongside our life, when we're convicted of sin, when God arrests us as we move through life, when we begin to desire the things of God more, when the fruit of the Spirit of the living God begins to grow in us, God's Spirit inside of us that He's given us as a deposit, a guarantee against eternal life, it is saying to you, you are a child of God. Faith delivers. Last week we looked at Peter. We closed out. The last part of, of my sermon last Sunday was talking about Peter and, you know, and, 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 and what Jesus said. Go tell the disciples and Peter. And we talked about the fact that you and I sometimes are and Peter. And we need to hear that. We need to hear God say, hey, and you. You're a part of it. You, you get in. Okay? We need to hear that. The world looks at two people who were probably the most prominent outside of Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter and Judas. And the world looks at those two and and really probably the world says not a lot of difference. Judas betrayed. Peter denied. Both recognized their sin. Both we remorseful. The Bible says that when Jesus looked at Peter after that third denial that he wept, he began to break. The Bible says that Judas, weeping, realizing what he had done, took the, the betrayer's money and threw it back into the temple. Both were remorseful over their sin. In fact, there are a lot of religious scholars that will tell you they believe that honestly Judas... Wrong motive, but maybe, maybe right thought, at least in part. He didn't want a Messiah that was going to be a Savior. He wanted a Messiah that was going to be a victor. That's going to happen, guys. It's coming. Read the end of the book. But Judas wanted it then. And there are a lot of people that will tell you Judas did what he did, not out of a wrong heart, but a right heart. He wanted to force the Messiah to be a victor now. world looks at Judas and Peter and probably says there's not much difference folks there was a big difference see Judas knew about Jesus he'd been there for three years just like Peter he had heard the confession that Peter had made around the campfire that night who do you say that I am you are the Christ the son of the living God Jesus' words back to Peter. Blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, I tell you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, not Peter, but upon your confession of faith that I am the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church. Judas had heard all that. But Judas didn't know Jesus for who he was. And so all Judas could do with his grief and his remorse was wallow in his sin, and it caused him to die apart from God. Peter knew Jesus. And he knew him not as the Messiah that he wanted him to be. He knew him as the Messiah that he was, as the son of the living God. And so Peter brought his grief and his remorse to the only person that could restore him, and Jesus did. There are a lot of Peters here this morning. We've all got those things that we've done, those areas where we've struggled, those sins that we've run laps around so many times we can't even remember when it started. And the truth is today, you know who Jesus Christ is in your relationship to him because your faith gives evidence that you are a child of the living God. And it's time to put the bag down. It's time maybe to bring that bag to the altar and put it down and and, and unpack that with a brother or a sister in Christ who will pray for you, bring it to the foot of the cross, and let Jesus Christ take it from you because the Bible says he died to say, it is finished, it's done. Quit carrying it around. It's forgiven. There are a lot of Peters here today. Who need to be restored? Who need to put our bags down and say, Thank you, Father, that I am forgiven in Jesus Christ. And in just a moment, we're going to have a time of worship, and the altar is open. And if you need to come and put a bag down on the altar, man, come. If you need somebody to work through unpacking that with you, man, we have deacons and their wives and family members who are here. Our staff is here. We want to help you unpack that in a scriptural way. Truth is, some of you are here today and you honestly think you're Judas. You know what? You might be. You might know a lot about Jesus. You hang around on the fringes just like Judas did. You're there. But the honest truth is you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And right now the Holy Spirit is saying, Look, today could be the greatest day for the rest of your life. And a life that God has for you that you can't even imagine. Today can be the day your name gets written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the honest truth is today you need to quit being a Judas and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Quit knowing some stuff about him and start knowing him as Lord. It's real simple. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's real simple. real easy. He did the work. (laughs) He just wants to give you the faith to believe that his work is sufficient and the cross is enough for you. If that's where you are, every one of our staff, Larry, Josh, Matt, me, Andrew, man, our Sunday school teachers, any, we'd love to walk you through that process of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and tell you what that looks like scripturally. Talk to you about believer's baptism. Why that's an important part. It's not saving. doesn't save us. The water that we baptize people in is the same water that you take a bath in if you have Eastland water. Same water you take a bath in if you have Olden water, or Ranger water, or Carbon water, or Cisco. Well, maybe not Cisco. I think they've got their own lake. Nothing special about the water. It's the heart. We'd love to unpack that for you and show you what that looks like scripturally. <laughs> Some of us here today. Honest truth is, we just need to be restored, encouraged. God wants you to know you're not alone. You're not walking this thing alone. You're with us. You're with the body, and maybe that's what it needs to happen. You need to be a part of the body to become a disciple. And this is where God wants you to plug in. You need to join this part of the body of Christ by letter, statement, baptism. Love to talk to you about what each of those means and is. And become a disciple and a disciple who then helps others grow and become disciples. That's the process. It's not just for me. It's for then what I do, how do I plug in to help somebody else grow and become a disciple? We're going to stand in just a moment, and worship, and when we begin that part, my heart for you is, what does God want for you? How will we respond to what God says to our hearts? To let him be Lord in every way. Faith delivers. And God wants your faith to deliver for you this morning.